0: Hey everyone, this is Erica Lucas, your host and founding member of VEST, an organization connecting women across industries, regions, and career levels, so that together we can expedite the pipeline of more women in positions of power and influence. Welcome to another episode of the Vester podcast, where we explore the invisible barriers holding women back in the workplace, and share stories of women building power collectively.
1: creator economy is relatively new and um, and this conversation around mental health and boundaries is very important and the way that you decide to do that for yourself I think you make your own rules um, when it comes to that if you wanted to create create all week and wanted to not engage on the weekend or maybe just post one story then that's fine Um, and I think that's something that I'm learning to navigate as well my boundaries with social media and and respecting the time that I need for myself to live my life, like my real life. Um, and, and I think that's really important and, some, and more conversations should be had around that topic.
0: More than 50 million people now consider themselves creators, fostering the creator economy, which is now valued at more than $100 billion. The surge has been especially pronounced over the last year, with a growing cohort of women pursuing opportunities in the creator economy. But what are those opportunities for women? What are some of the challenges women face in the creator economy, particularly as it relates to mental health? Join us as we talk to Suani Garcia, author of The New Latina, 100 Millennials Shaping Our World, and editor-in-chief at Me Too. For Suani's full bio and show notes, go to www.vester.co forward slash podcast. This recording was part of a more intimate coaching session with best members and has been repurposed to accommodate this episode. Tell us more about your book. Yeah, so my
1: book is called The New Latina, 100 Millennials Shaping Our World. And so what really made me decide to write it was... I, I was always reading books and coffee table books and featuring lots of women in creative fields or um, women who had you know, entrepreneurial accomplishments. And I said, well, I don't think there's any book that really kind of details this for the, for Latinas, for our demographic. And I know that there are so many amazing Latinas doing so many great things. Um, But for some reason, all I kept reading about was Latinas in history and like the same women, like just kept, I kept reading about like the same women, which is amazing because that's kind of like our, what um, those women kind of set the groundwork for where we are now. But um, I wanted to highlight millennial women um, doing amazing things now. So that's that's a mission and passion behind the book. And also because when I was um, when I was growing up, I didn't have like these images of women. I, I thought that like to be successful, you had to be um, a movie star or a singer. And I was like, okay, I don't have any of those talents. <laughs> um, so I didn't have these images. So representation is something that's really important to me. And that is, you know, that's why I created this book. Um, yeah the 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 sort of like the the way that I went about creating it was like I said during the pandemic, um, I I I was sort of looking for for avenues and and because I I didn't have any work at the time, and so I said okay I've always wanted wanted to write a book I didn't think it would be this soon in my life but I said I always wanted to write a book, Gabby Bernstein is one of my favorite authors or internet creators um and she had a course a digital course and her course was about how to write her first best-selling book and I um yeah at the time I applied for the scholarship because it was it was pretty expensive and I just didn't have that money to spare and I applied for the scholarship I got the scholarship to take the digital course and um basically the course is like really informative. It takes you through how you should pitch to a publisher, um, how you should find out who your target audience is for your book, how you should uh, market your book. So it takes you through all of that. But the the first exercise in the first module um, basically has you kind of visualizing yourself as this author and visualizing your book, just touching millions of people. And it's a practice in visualization which stuck it stuck to me, you know, it just, it's something that I believe in. So it was something that was really powerful for me. Um, then a week later, I met my publisher, I just met my, met my publisher out and about. And I was, um, I was having dinner at a restaurant, uh, we were with a big group of people, he, what he happened to be one of those people, we got to talking about our careers, he, you know, he was telling me how he's published all these different books, and, um, and just basically about his company. And I. I said, well, I have this book idea, I would like to um, sort of pitch it to you, like informally, I would like to talk to you about it. And it helped that, um, that I already kind of had a connection with him, that I had already talked to him about my career and my passions before I had pitched that, um, which we can talk to, which we can talk about later. But um, yeah, and then he, he said, okay, I like your idea, send me a formal proposal. I sent him the formal proposal, he liked it, he's like, okay, let's do it. Then I started working on all the research for the book.
0: So tell us about the process. What was the hardest thing you had to do besides putting yourself out there?
1: The hardest thing I had to do was I I have patience, I would say, because the process was for me, it was so enjoyable. I enjoyed everything about it. Like I, I, I had women that I already knew I wanted to feature. And then the research, like researching and calling for other women and calling for more pitches from from you know our the nation the, the my the community um, and just like writing it designing it all of that was very enjoyable. I wouldn't say that any of that was um, something that I struggled with, but just having patience. Um, uh, I wanted the book to be created way before. Um, I, I wanted the book to be finished before I. Um, like, I, I'd say like, uh, like a couple months before I actually finished it. And then the whole, like the process takes a little bit because, um, because it's a, it's a, I'm featuring a lot of different women, a lot of different stories. So I have to make sure that all it's all like factual and correct. So there's like that process of like, making sure that they, they see it and, um, and all the facts are correct, making sure that all the images are, credited appropriately, um, making sure that the, the publicist or the middle person sees it and approves it. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, so I'd say that having patience to get like this baby out into the world was um, my biggest struggle.
0: <laughs> what about your biggest fear that did you ever have fear of doing it in the first place or fear of, you know, who's going to read it? Um, and then how did you overcome that fear? Um, I don't think that I had
1: any fears. I think that it was, it was, so I'm very, I'm a very spiritual person and the project was just very, I was very sure that this was what I was meant to do at the time and that things would work out and that, and that whoever needed to be, I would even say like, whoever needs to be in this book, please like let them be in this book and let that come across just very seamlessly because, um, I understood this project as something so much more beyond me. And I'm so grateful and happy that I was able to create it. I was able to write this book, but um, it's, you know, I I saw it as something that generations of women would read and generations of women would get so much from it. So for me there, because of that perspective and that point of view, I I didn't really have a lot of fears about the book or about the, you know, in the, in the entire process of creating it.
0: What about putting yourself out there as an author, right? I mean, you, I mean, you, you've been writing all this time and you've been in, in the PR world, but what about putting yourself as a creator out there? Was there any doubt ever? Yeah. So what helped me was that I had started a YouTube
1: channel a couple years before I pitched this book and I wrote this book, so I had already been sort of on camera, um, starting on YouTube and and creating videos, creating content for digital, and because I was working in public relations, I had already been on TV for several clients that that we that um that we needed like sort of have to have TV appearances, and so I had already been media trained. I would media train our clients, and so. This was a world that was familiar for me, which really helped me. Um, And then putting myself out there on social media, it was more about like growing and now, okay, like I I need to figure out how to talk about this book without like talking about it too much because then people get tired of the same content, Um, but also like letting people know who I am and what I do and what I'm passionate about. And managing that, managing a full-time job and managing, you know, anything that else that needs to go, you know, it's all, um, it's a lot, it's a lot to, to work with. (laughs) Uh,
0: So this is a perfect subway, because again, our topic is uh, the creator economy and the opportunities that exist for women. You are both a creator and author and through your role at Me Too, you also work with a lot of creators uh, and brands uh, leveraging uh, creators. What can you tell us, what do you see as the main opportunities for women? In terms of social media? In terms of social media, or even, um, you know, we make sure to say, because I think that a lot of us, if we're not into the creator economy, or if we're not really in tune with it, we may say, well, that's just a, uh, that's just influencer marketing. That's just kids using YouTube for gaming. And we really don't understand that. No, it, it really is an industry. It blew so much over the pandemic. Um, and it's continue. I mean, there's a lot of money flowing into the creator yes. economy. You have platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, now they're all creating tools for creators to monetize a lot of the content that that they're creating. And I just think that for a lot of our members who may not be as aware of the industry, I just want to make sure that we cover what it is and what opportunities exist. Yeah.
1: And there are so many Um, before, when I worked in public relations, um, I worked for a beauty agency and I was on the other side of it. So I was paying creators to feature our product. So I knew like how much money went into those things. So I worked with a pretty big beauty brand. And one time I paid a creator who had about, I don't remember, but it was like 200,000 followers. And um, we paid her eight $8,000 for one post to feature the one product. And that was on Instagram. It wasn't even like TikTok was just starting back then. And so I was, I I learned how much money was actually in it, which is actually why I started my YouTube channel. And I was like, okay, I need to like tap into this. Um, And then after, during the pandemic, I was, um, I was at home a lot, like we all were, and I was cooking a lot. And so I would, I would make low carb recipes. I would share it on TikTok and my TikTok. So I'll give you some background. I started YouTube about, um, I would say like four Three or four years ago, I have let's see. I think I have um, four thousand about four thousand followers on YouTube, and I can already monetize my channel through AdSense. I started TikTok last year, and I have fifty thousand followers on TikTok. Um, so TikTok is like the like if, if you're gonna start with a platform, I would recommend TikTok because it just moves a lot faster than other platforms, and you really want to tap into it now. Um, I mean, now a lot of authors are on it, they're they're sharing their stories, and it's such an amazing platform, because it's not something, you don't have to have this picture-perfect life that you might have, see on Instagram, or on YouTube, or this aesthetic, um, or, you know, whatever, it's, you can literally just be yourself, talk to the camera, and connect with people, and TikTok is, like, the most organic platform, and, um, And I'd say like the, the less you try on there, the, the better it is for you. So if you're someone who is like, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that I have this life that I don't have. I don't want to feel like I need to have an aesthetic. I just want to talk and connect with people. I highly recommend tapping into TikTok. Um, You'll be able to grow your audience much faster on there and just connect and, um, and then be able to tap into the creator economy. Um, you, you'll get paid for for your views. You'll get brand deals. I've already um, gotten a few brand deals for my just for like my food content. And these are things that like, and you can tell me to stop if I <laughs> if I'm like um, ranting. But um, so for example, I always tell my friend. My friend, she works in healthcare industry and she has a really great salary, a really great position. And I tell her, I'm like, you should get you should get on TikTok. You have she has like this dog that she loves. I'm like you're always taking pictures of Bell. Belle is a dog's name. You're always taking pictures of Bell. Um, dog, um, and animal content. People want to see it. People love it. And you could you don't even have to show your face. You could get sponsorships from, um, from um, toy companies or animal companies. And it's like, you can you can share to the world what you already do. So when I started cooking on TikTok, I was like, okay, I'm already cooking every day, and I'm already trying to find low carb alternatives to the food that I already eat. So let me just make a 15 second video about it. And it's just, it's basically just that. um, It's like, it's basically just putting yourself out there in that way, but not thinking about it too much. Um, And just sometimes when you first start, you got to push out a lot of content and see what works. When I first started YouTube, I pushed out a lot of different content. I did makeup, I did um, clothing. And the one that worked the best was um, what I do in a day as a public relations manager. Um, and that one just kind of blew up because there was a niche there. There was like a space there that wasn't filled. And I remember I, I got a lot of comments on that video saying um, saying that they, they didn't have any videos like that. On, on. They had never seen a lot of videos on, on public relations on YouTube. And, um, and then that helped me grow my audience for communications and for writing this book. And so my YouTube audience is all about that. And then my TikTok is more about like food and, and recipes.
0: How would you coach somebody to know which platform, I mean, TikTok is growing and it's it's relatively new. So, so it's a great platform, but um, you know, some would argue, well, my audience is not there, right? It, and, and, and I do agree. It's not only a lot of people make the mistake of thinking it's only Gen Z or Gen A um, on TikTok, but no, there's, there's, there's millennials or there's Gen X and all of that. But um, how would you coach somebody? What platform should they use? To be, to be honest, I would say
1: get on TikTok. I think that people think that it's just Gen Z or that it's a younger audience, but there's all different types of audiences on TikTok. I mean, I've seen like grandma TikTok go, like, like go viral. Have like this. I follow a bunch of different grandmas because I like that content, and they have millions and millions of followers. And it's just about like connecting. Authors are on there. Like even my publisher. Um, told me to get on TikTok. He's like, it's growing. All the authors are on there. Um, if you have some, if you have a product to sell, that's where you want to be. If you have, um, uh, I don't know what, if you just want to sell yourself as a creator, that's also where you want to be. Um, I And then YouTube, and now Instagram is, so now Instagram is a video forward platform, which means that you can post your, which means that they're going to promote your, your reels more than they will your photos so you can post your tiktoks on instagram and grow your account relatively quick more quickly than um, than before and then youtube is like my number one because you there's just a lot of opportunities there for for income there's sponsorships and then there's google adsense so google adsense will pay you depending on your your views per video Um, So, yeah, I would say, I would say the first thing I would say, try it on TikTok. If it doesn't work out, then you can move on to a different platform. But I promise you that there's all kinds of demographics on
0: TikTok. Can you tell us a little bit more, Swanee, about how you work with brands through Me Too or even prior to that, how they can benefit from engaging with creators?
1: Yeah, so I worked with, so the beauty brand that I worked with, um, they, they just had a really strong like influencer marketing leg. And, and basically it helps in, in so many ways. So the first way is obviously sales and you know promoting your product. The second way is just getting to your target audience. So like getting to the person that you want to sell this product to. You could work with influencers who have that same demographic and who can speak to that product as well um, and who would already use that product. As a brand, so right now what's working best is organic content. So brands will pay an influencer to say, oh my God, I love this mascara on TikTok. And then they'll repurpose that. If it's in the contract and they're able to um, use that content to use it as an ad, you don't have to spend ad dollars um, to create content from like your in-house team or the agency that you outsource. You can pay that money to the influencer, get the rights to that video, and then use that video as an ad. Um, and then run it and then see how that works. And typically it will work better than any sort of like uh, more stiff uh, content that you'll see that you'll like reproduce in-house.
0: Absolutely. Um, Emma wants to know if you have any experience or examples with monetizing LinkedIn. I don't, I would say, I, I know that there's opportunity
1: there, but I don't really, I'm really bad at using that resource.
0: Yeah, um, I will say, Emma, what I've seen people, how people are monetizing LinkedIn, it's better for uh, B2B. So if you're doing direct sales or B2B um, business, um, or if you're, again, working on your uh, personal brand to get promoted, hire, whatever. Um, But also for creators, what I've seen them do is that they're doing workshops. So they do workshops or um, uh, courses and then they either offer them for free uh, to get them to subscribe and then do an upsell later on, or they charge for the workshop that they're doing on LinkedIn. And, and so are they doing the workshop on LinkedIn? Is that what you've seen? Okay. Yeah, yeah they have LinkedIn. So the tools that LinkedIn provides is more for educational content, uh, workshop type related. You can also go live on there. Um, but they're also coming out with tools that again will allow you to charge for people who actually are SVP to your event. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, there's another question, Swanee. How do you suggest going about monetizing if you're just starting out? Do you proactively seek out those opportunities or do you build your audience first, Swanee? Yeah, so you
1: can build, and going back to that, I think I've also seen um, creators create uh, courses on Teachable. And sell those courses if you, and if you could host um, like a, like a 30 minute workshop to, as a lead to your courses, as a lead to whatever you're selling, you could also go back to that and use that, um, use Teachable as a platform and use LinkedIn to kind of guide people there. Um, just something that I thought of, but um, in terms of creating your audience, I would say. Uh, you can monetize even if you're a micro influencer. It just depends on your engagement. So it depends on if you're a micro. So my friend just started his podcast, right? And um, he has about 5,000 followers now, but he has really high engagement. So even when he'll say I'm hosting an event, like people will go when he says I'm selling something, or when he tells people, I really like this, people will uh, respond to him because they trust him. So it's about building trust and building engagement with your audience more than the numbers. Um, and then once you have that and you have the analytics behind it, you can go out and reach out to the brands that you think are a fit and say, you know, this is my engagement. Um, this, is you know, my, my followers trust me because of this is not, and you can reach out and get, um, get paid opportunities, even if it's at, you know, Let's say two hundred dollars for a post or two hundred dollars for a video. That's still an amazing opportunity starting up, starting out.
0: Okay, I have a private message, so I'm not going to say who this is. It this is from, but she asks, "Can you ask her how she gets past the need to always look perfect on social media posts?" That's my biggest thing. I never look good enough, or tools to look better. Thank you.
1: That's a really good question, and it's something that. I don't know if, if we ever get past that, but um, I think speaking of my experience, like I, at first I was super open to kind of looking however I looked. Um, And then later on it was, I, as I started editing more videos on YouTube and noticing little things, I would notice little things about myself that I would have otherwise not noticed if I wasn't on camera. And, and I, I just have to like, continuously check myself and say, you just because you're seeing this on camera like this is how people naturally are this is like this is your hairline like this is normal just because we see these images of like perfectly photoshopped women um it doesn't mean that you have to look like like that something that really helps me is following women who whose content is about that, is about like not looking perfect. So they'll show like all of the imperfections and they'll say, you know, this is who I am. This is what's normal. And I will follow, I will make it a point to follow more women who are focused on that. And it gives me, it ge- it empowers me to do it as well, or it empowers me to not feel bad, Um, to not always use filters when when I'm on Instagram stories and to kind of like show that rawness and then TikTok is also a place where a lot of people show how they are naturally there's no filtering there's none of that and so TikTok just like the environment and the the I don't know yeah I guess the environment on that platform is to show your raw life and people connect with that more than they would anything that's um, you know too done up or too too much makeup or anything like that, but yeah, it's it's something that's definitely difficult to navigate, and it's something that even now, like, um, because of that pandemic, I I've gained weight, and I spoke on YouTube. I said I have, have, I've have i have been having trouble coming on camera, and you know even if I've been filming my videos, and I just I don't like the way I look, so I haven't been posting them. And that's something that you, that's something that's very real about creating content online, and um, and it's something that you know you have to be very thoughtful and very nice to yourself when you're navigating that. You have to say, you know, everybody goes through this. If you if you don't want to push out content, let's say if you want to take a break, a two week break, month break, whatever it is you need, take that break and just regroup, um, and just make sure that you're taking care of yourself and your mindset and your mental health. Um, before and that you're strong that when you're when you're ready to push out content that you're you're going to be okay no matter what people say.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree. I don't know if that answers the question. No, I I think it's great Swanee. and um I would just say that I just authenticity and I think um there there's actually creators that are creating content about being imperfect, you know, or making fun of Instagram like perfect pictures and stuff like that. I I tend to follow those as well. Um, there is another question, and this is actually a great segue to my next question, which is a hot take, right, of, of this creator economy. And th- that is a mental toll that it sometimes sometimes takes, not just, again, on the creators, but on, on the people on platforms. Um, and actually, I'm just going to use Sheena to lead us to this uh, segue. She says, do you experience much negativity on social media, both when you look perfect and imperfect? Um, and if so, how do you handle it? To be honest,
1: on YouTube and Instagram, I haven't experienced much negativity. There's been some comments that um, that are highlighting like what I'm wearing or um, like the other day, somebody said about some someone said something about what I was wearing and that they didn't want to see it. And I was like, OK, if you don't want to see it, then don't watch the video. <laughs> I just commented back like don't watch it. Like I encourage you to stop you know, watching the videos. And, um, but yeah, on TikTok, on on Instagram and YouTube, I haven't seen that on TikTok, I get some negativity. It's never really about me or the way that I look because I share a lot of recipes, but it is, um, but if I'm like doing like a low carb recipe, people get really triggered with food recipes. I've found they, they want to tell you what's healthy and what's not. And they, they just, you know, they get triggered. So they'll, they'll say it in the comments. Um, I typically don't engage a lot with that on TikTok. Um, although sometimes I will, if it's something that I find that would be informative, or you could also use use that to your advantage and post a video and, you know, talk, say, you know, respond in a video and people are, are like going to back you up and people are going to be um, supportive of you, but I'd say for the most part, you get a lot of support. I, I, where I am right now, I've gotten more support than I have negativity. And that really does inspire me to keep sharing. Um, you'll get a lot more you know, people clapping for you and wanting to support you than you do people saying negative things. And people are always gonna say negative things no matter what what you do or where you are. Um, so that's definitely something that um, that we should all work to overcome because it, it can't stop you from, from going for what you want to go for. And a lot of people, a lot of other people who are less qualified are doing it. And so you have to, you know, figure it out as well.
0: Period. Um, I also, <laughs> I, I, you know what? Sometimes um, when I did my TED Talk, I one of my uh, friends told me, it's okay for you to block uh, trolls. Just block them. Just You don't have to respond to them. You don't have to... You, and you can just block them. So you never see them go yeah. with them again, especially on Twitter. Um, and, and I couldn't agree more. Um, the other thing about perfection that I would just say or go back to, uh, and I made a post about this um, uh, on Twitter. I'm more active on Twitter just because I'm witty like that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that often we have the solution and I, and I think it's been, you know, societal norms have instilled this on women that we have to wait until everything's perfect or that we have to look a certain way or act a certain way. And that has limited us or put limiting beliefs in our mind to not start or not do. And so I often talk about like me, right? I started a podcast, uh, w- which does very well. Actually, both podcasts do very well. I, You know, English is my second language. You guys have heard me before. I make up words all the time that don't exist in the English dictionary. I uh, mispronounce things. Um, and it, I, I just haven't allowed it to stop me, you know, and, and uh, it, it, it is what it is. And if people are going to relate to me, it's just something that people get used to. Um, and I've learned, I, I wasn't always this way, but um, I've learned to just accept myself, love myself, um, and then block the trolls. And like, hey, if, if I'm not for you, I get it. If you're, if you're still following that you're still a fan <laughs> even though you don't like me uh, but you i think you develop that mentality over time and i think that what you said swani following those type of people that also reinforce um, you know i think one of the best things that we can do for each other as women is to help us remove each other's limiting beliefs right or, yeah. or limitations that whether we've imposed on ourselves or others have been posting us so I love this. Uh, Jennifer says, yes, I block trolls constantly. Good for you, Jennifer. Uh, there's another two questions. Sheena, she says, do you, oh no, that we already did that. Um, Stephanie says, do you ever have to step away for periods of time from social media or your phone sometimes or screen time numbers? Uh, screen time numbers can be daunting. Or does it feel like you have to stay engaged because of this? This is part of your career. Like, can you ever turn it off? Great question.
1: Yeah. I think it's up to you. I mean, I turn it off. Um, For me, just having what, what, giving myself what it is that I need and my alone time and my reading time and my time for reflection off screens. I work on, like I'm on a screen all day, every day um, is the most important thing. Um, I don't, that's, Uh, creating is not my full-time job so I have that luxury of like stepping away and even even if you are a full-time creator I think you could also do that like once you have um, if you're if you're not just creating but if you have maybe a product to sell or classes or stuff like that then you can step away but I think in general like if you need to step away from social media feel free to do so I mean you make the rules for your platform you make the rules of about how you engage with people let's say you're you know I I follow a creator who will uh, post lots of content um, Monday to Friday and then on Saturday and Sunday she's she's not as active on Sunday she's not active at all and I understand that and I I can go back to her on Monday and say and be like okay like she was off on Saturday because it was the weekend um so I think like i think we're just all trying to figure this out because it's the creator economy is relatively new and um and this conversation around mental health and boundaries is very important and the way that you decide to do that for yourself i think you make your own rules um, when it comes to that if you wanted to create create all week and wanted to not engage on the weekend or maybe just post one story then that's fine Um, and I think that's something that I'm learning to navigate as well. My boundaries with social media and, and respecting the time that I need for myself to live my life, like my real life. Um, and, and I think that's really important and, some, and more conversations should be had around that topic.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question. How do you balance it all? But I think you just answered, answered it uh, beautifully. What are the best tools? that you, This is Gabby's question because she's always looking for tools. What are the best tools that you've come across or that you use for any of your platforms? Tools. Um... like like um, Like video tools or picture editing tools or copywriting tools. Okay, so for video editing,
1: I use Filmora. Um, It's the most basic video editing tool ever. And I, when I first started editing my YouTube videos, I didn't want to learn how to use Final Cut Pro because I was really overwhelmed by it. So I said, okay, I need to find a solution to this i need to find something that's more simple so that i can continue like i can move forward with this and i found filmora which is very very user friendly i promise anyone can get on it and edit videos if i could do it anyone can do it um it's very user friendly in terms of TikTok, i edit videos on the app um it's very easy to do that as i'd say like go on the go on the app and start playing around with posting videos And um, there's a lot of creators who also teach you how to make certain videos that you want to make, but start off like with the basics um, so you don't get overwhelmed by it. And if you get overwhelmed, then you're going to stop. You're not going to want to do it anymore. So just start off with with the basics. Um, And so, yeah, so on TikTok, I I use the app on for YouTube. I use Filmora. What else do I use? There's I know there's this website where you can. So Google Trends is actually something that's really helpful and it's something that I use for me too um, to check out what's trending at the moment because most of those stories will do well. Or if you, if you know, if there's um, like the Super Bowl, right? Um, Super Bowl recipes were, we're trending on TikTok. Um, so any kind, just having, um, keeping an eye out for for trending topics is, all, is also helpful when you're creating content. I use Brand Watch um, because... I'll, I'll, I'll look at a trending topic or a keyword and I'll go on Brand Watch and I'll see what the sentiment is towards that. And that'll help me decide whether or not we should cover it on our platform or not. Um, I know that there's this other tool that tells you. So this tool, I'll find it for you and I'll email it to you. But um, it, it's a website and you type in a password, let's say public relations or um, entrepreneurship. And it'll tell you what, the, what questions users are asking about that topic. So then when you create your content related to your field or your industry, you can answer that question and you know that there's a gap there. So you can fill that with the information that you have. And then in terms of like SEO, it'll help people, it'll help um, drive users back to your website or to your social media, um, to whatever it is. So that tool is also really helpful.
0: That's great. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, And then uh, Sophia says, yes, very cool. Please do share that tool once you remember. this is a great question as well. And please, all the members, we it's kind of interactive. You know the drill, if you're new, we don't wait until the end to ask questions. We've been asking all questions uh, throughout. Uh, so this is the time we have 10 minutes uh, with, with Swanee. So let's make the best of them. Um, one more question from Leah. She says, what advice do you have for identifying your personal brand and or rebranding yourself? Great question.
1: I think my my priority is to be authentic. And to be honest, sometimes that does when I'm on Instagram, and I have just a different relationship with all of the different social media platforms. And I think with Instagram is the, the platform that I have the most trouble with being authentic or showing my raw self. And I think it's because Instagram has created that culture of everything needing to be aesthetic aesthetically pleasing and perfect and picture perfect and i think on tiktok i have no issue with that because i know that that's not what the audience is expecting um so my advice is to to figure out the three things that you want to talk about and that you want to focus on with your social media platform like are you going to do um public relations content mixed with beauty content and mixed with beauty and fashion Um, what what sorry, what um, what what are you going to focus on with your content? I'd say stick to, two two to three things at most, um, so people know like what to get when they go to your platform. Like when they come to me, you'll know that you're going to get um, videos about my book. You're going to get videos about public relations, writing, communications. Um, you're going to get some of me and my my lifestyle in Miami, which is also important to share because that's who I am, and you don't want to just you know, if, when you look at the creators that you like, you like them because you connect with them on, on different levels. If it's, um, if it's like mom, motherhood, um, or if it's, some, you, they don't always push out their products or their brands, or what it is that they're promoting. They also share their life and what makes them human and all the things that they enjoy. And that's why you connect with people. Um, so going back to that, like, you know, like I said, people with me. When when you go to my my so, my social platforms, you'll get book communications writing, PR, all of that. mean you know, everything in that realm. And then you'll also get my life in Miami. And then you'll also get low carb recipes, um, you know keto recipes and and things like that. So those are my three. I guess you would say brand pillars. I have a really difficult time, and I'll be honest, I have a difficult time thinking of myself as a brand. But I know that that's how people see me, um, so I I'm I'm still thinking about how I want to present that. So I don't have I don't have a very like a very direct answer because I too am struggling with that part of everything.
0: I love it. Um, uh, it's so funny. Leah just commented; she's the one that asked this question. Got it. So cats, naps, and champagne. Yes, Leah. Exactly. <laughs> It'll go viral, and we'll be there for you. Um, all right. So um, I, I also wanted to talk to the lawyers in the room, the the more traditional, you know, lawyers, uh, CPAs, um, whatever. I've seen a lot of great content being created for those type of roles, and sometimes my friends, or lawyers, will say, "Well, what the hell am I going to do? How am I going to use that?" there's a there's a woman lawyer that has like women lawyers, she created this immense platform where she gives advice for lawyering to women. Um, and And out of that, it's a pipeline for clients to come in. So just think outside the box of how you and also, if you don't want to do it, don't, we're not here to convince you to be a creator or to be on social media at all, if you don't want to. But we are here to just brainstorm ways in which you can um, leverage this um, economy if if you're, if you will. Uh, so I definitely want to, um, want to share that. Uh, Judy says, love the vulnerability, Swanee. Um, oh, thank we- you. <laughs> okay, any last questions from our members? Uh, there's one from Joan, of course, she's our cybersecurity expert. So she goes, due to private data collection, concerns tiktok is definitely a no no a no go for the cybersecurity fields do you have any suggestions for twitter you already have addressed linkedin
1: yes i understand that um i i don't have suggestions for twitter but i would say if that's not an option tiktok is not an option not something that you want to engage with that platform um go on instagram and create reels um because like i said Instagram is now pushing reels way faster than you would, um, You they would a, a photo. And so if you post a reel and it resonates, you'll get, you know, you'll get a lot of viewership to your, to your profile. In terms of Twitter, I'm not, I'm not active on Twitter um, or I'm not as active on Twitter or LinkedIn. I So actually this is, this is a good point. I like video content and I, that's something that, res- that resonates with me the most. And that's something that I enjoy consuming the most. So it's something that I push out the most. I enjoy video content. If you don't enjoy video content, then you would move to Twitter or LinkedIn and, and, and different, a different way to push out your message. So I think, think about that and use a platform that you most enjoy using right now. That's most natural to you. And that's where you'll find the most success.
0: Joan, I definitely recommend for B2B sales LinkedIn. Um, For Twitter, the one thing that I've noticed that works most for the people, the creators that are on Twitter are threads. Some people hate them, some people love them, but um, it it picks up on the algorithm on Twitter. um, And you have to be a really good writer, right? For, (laughs) to be on Twitter, to be able to condense your thoughts and make them as simple as possible. But um, threads trend very well on Twitter. That's all I would say on that. Um, And controversial stuff. Trends well on Twitter. Um, Swani, I have a question for you because I know that two of our members actually, um, two of our members actually uh, their goal for 2022 or intentions for 2022 is to write more, uh, become a a thought leader in their field and write more pieces um, on that. What advice would you have for first-time writers or people that are just starting out to write, whether it's blogs, thought pieces, or opinion pieces like we're doing with Sheena, what would be your, um, your advice?
1: Um, advice on how to block time to write or advice on where to publish your writing? Maybe both. Okay. So blocking out time. It's, so I'm a, I'm a morning writer. Um, so I will write in the morning and I will edit the next day or I'll edit at night. So um, i so. Just figure out what works best for you in terms of like writing during your day. Um, if you have to wake up an hour earlier, or if you have to block out your lunch time to be able to write that. Um, I know that every, we all have a lot going on, so we have to be very intentional about blocking off that time to be able to write. Especially if you have a full-time job or if you're a full-time creator, you know. Um, and then the next, the the next advice I would give is, I, I honestly I wouldn't even. I wouldn't spend a lot of time writing or creating a website blog because it's going to be very difficult to get people to go from social media to your blog to be able to read that content. So I would, so I would use LinkedIn if you already have an audience there um, to create posts and write posts on there and, um, and Instagram as well, like Instagram captions, um, however you want to you want to format that that style of writing depending on what kind of writing you want you want to do or what's what the goal is for that. But I think I've seen a lot of success with uh, creators using LinkedIn um, as their blog or publishing different um, different um, content on there. You could you could also submit to editors as a guest you know you can submit your article as a guest post to editor you can say you know this is what I'm in this is my expertise I would love to to write for your audience these are a couple of pitches these are some stories that I would love to write for you um, that I think could be a great fit um yeah I think that's about it
0: right um I want to close with a question um for you we always close with with some version of this question. But before I do that, I wanna remind our members, um, make sure that you're RSVPing for future sessions on the app. Um, the best way to get the most out of the uh, best is for you to connect with other members. So today, if you, if you recall every week, we've been doing question of the week. Today, it's a challenge to meet with one member per month. So make sure that you're connecting with another member, could be in your same industry, it could be in a different industry, but that is a challenge today. And we'll, we'll post it on the app later. Um, and then the other thing, um, I would say we welcome a lot of new members this month. Uh, we always feature new members joining. Jill, I see you. Welcome, Jill. Jill is our newest member, um, so we'll, we'll be featuring. We always feature them on the last newsletter of the month. So just be sure that you're checking that as well, and then welcome them. Say hi to them. The power is in the network, but. We, as VES do that for you. You have to make the relationships. You have to connect with one another. Uh, we can always just provide the means. Um, and so in-person events coming up, new sessions coming up, make sure that you are as we can for those. And our last question, what advice would you give to women, whether they're writing a book or wanting to get into the creator economy or just this in general?
1: My advice is to enjoy it. Enjoy the work so if you have if you're trying to push out a video and it's not working you're not having fun with it don't push don't don't publish it you know take a step back and say what is something that I would enjoy and what is something that I would like to see and then do it that way um, because that's always going to be that's how the energy is going to be felt on the other side of the screen and anybody that's watching you and also just enjoy enjoy the what you're building and what you're creating the process should be enjoyable as well um it should be work be something that you're excited about and you're excited to create um, so make sure that you find that that whatever that is for you wherever you want to create whatever makes you makes you happiest and makes you feel like you're get you're getting to where you need to go and um and getting to people um, so enjoy it and everything about life enjoy it try to enjoy it as much as possible
0: If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast for future episodes. You can also join the conversation by becoming a best member. Go to www.bester.co and apply today.